The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky connections and kinky education. We're kinky done differently. What women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self, with questions asked by a guy. And now, here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, a show about how people connect with each other and to their authentic selves. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit, and today we meet a powerhouse woman who can carry it all, from roles in film to causes she cares about, not to mention more weights than any of us can imagine. Siri Dahl is an adult filmmaker, model, powerlifter, viral TikToker, convincingly natural-looking fake redhead, and mom to two perfect black cats named Georgia Binks and Lenny Beans. Here now, the amazing human, Siri Doll. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time you ever were confused with the iPhone Siri? I leak like immediately, immediately, pretty much when I started in the porn industry. So I don't remember the specific instance because it just, people make jokes all the time. Uh, and every person who makes the joke thinks they're the very first person to make it. And that's just been happening since I my first scene came out in like, you know, January, 2012. <laughs> but you had the name first. I purchased domain names and I had a Twitter handle using Siri before the first iPhone with Siri ever came out. And this would have been back in like, I want to say June, uh, June, 2011. Mm -hmm. So, and the, that iPhone came out like September, 2011. <laughs> While you say a lot of people have joked about it, that has caused you some serious things as far as trying to make sure that people know where to find you because actually this show goes through a very similar thing because there's been other podcasts in the past called what women want yeah oh that makes sense and yeah it's it's um uh it's it's actually gotten harder funnily enough uh it wasn't as much of a thing that people would like legitimately have any confusion or like actually have trouble finding my scenes or my real social media back in like 2012, 2013. Um, Cause, because, you know, the iPhone with Siri was still fairly new at the time. So there wasn't so much content online uh, where there weren't like as many memes about it. Like now, if you just search Siri, obviously all you find are references to Apple and iPhones and memes. Uh, if you Google Siri porn star, then you find me, but that's why I ultimately ended up adding a surname to my stage name this past year, because I was like, the search engine optimization with this is getting ridiculous. I need a legitimate, like an actual last name. 
for my, for my porn name. <laughs> so it helps. It helps a lot. First time you had to stand up for something that you believe in. Um, I guess the, you know, the first story that, I mean, if we're thinking like legit first, the first time I'm aware of myself doing that, that I, I vaguely remember most of my memory of it is what's been told to me by my parents, but my mom loves telling this story about me being uh, in kindergarten and uh, having to, I was afraid, I was like legitimately terrified of my kindergarten teacher. Um, like I thought that she disliked me on like a personal level and I, it was so bad that I was afraid to go to school because <laughs> I didn't want to be in her presence. Um, and my parents were like, the fuck is this teacher doing to our kids? So they had a, like a, a parent teacher meeting, both my parents and this, in this kindergarten teacher. And apparently I just, I don't remember any of this. And I'm sure my mom is exaggerating because she's my mom and she was like proud of me for doing this or something. But apparently my tiny five-year-old self just like got up and stood in front of this teacher and was like, you're very mean to me and you're scary and it makes me feel uncomfortable around you. And I would like it if you would stop and I want you to be nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's it. I mean, from a pretty young age, I was, uh, I would say fairly um, like, it, it's it's actually a great story because it kind of summarizes two big parts of my personality, which are like, um, I'm full of anxiety about a lot of things. And also I don't take shit from people. <laughs> First time you ever picked up a weight that was heavier uh, than you. Um, that was heavier than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that would be, it didn't take that long, um, to be able to deadlift more than my own body weight once I started powerlifting and like training regularly. I mean, I got there within like easily within a year of when I had first started lifting and like, like actually kind of figuring out what I was doing and starting a training program. So not, not that long. <laughs> and that, that was, uh, less, that was like about five five years ago. So I guess I was uh, 27. First time you walked back onto a adult film set after walking away and your feelings going into it. Um, my first time back on an adult film set, uh, like a, like a, a big production one. Cause I obviously shot some of my own content before I actually went, came back like and announced a big comeback and stuff. But my first scene back uh, out of retirement officially was for Brazzers. Um, and I was nervous. It was a scene that I did with Xander Corvus for Brazzers. Uh, and but they made me feel super comfortable that day. Like it was very like low key. Uh, it was a fun crew. Xander's great. And I've worked with him in the past. So there were familiar faces. In fact, I think everyone on that whole crew that day were, were people that I had worked with multiple times in the past. So. It kind of, in a lot of ways, it was literally like riding a bike. Like, you know, it's just, um, I think I wasn't surprised by this, but fans might be. But the thing that for me made me feel most out of my element was actually just like, like modeling for the solo stills that they take. Um, we call them pretty girls in the industry, but that's just like, you know, the, the, the photo sets that they put up along with the scene that progress from like, you know, wearing the outfit that I wear in the scene and then stripping it into lingerie and then eventually naked. And it's, they're just, they're pretty girls, you know, they're promotional stills. 
And, uh, you know, that was the funniest thing. Cause it's like, I hadn't modeled professionally in a while. And it, I had to like, remember, I was like, man, I'm rusty with this. Like, I don't remember like how to pose my body in the, in the like right way to, to make things look good. <laughs> First time you ever received an unsolicited dick pic in your reaction to it. Uh, to be honest, I don't remember. I mean, the, the very first time I ever received one, I'm sure was decades ago. I'm 32. So um, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that it was at some point in my early, early on in my internet usage days. Uh, and I also am sure that it didn't uh, really like result in much of a reaction. Like, you know, I, I'm not a fan of unsolicited dick pics. I would encourage every person with a penis to literally never send an unsolicited dick pic. Unsolicited being the fucking key word there. But but um, for me, it's, I, I, I probably laughed at it, to be honest. I can't, like, again, I don't remember exactly the first time. So I can't tell you a, a real reaction that I had, but most likely just laughter and probably also making fun of the guy who did it which is something I still do now. When someone sends me an unsolicited dick pic, I just make fun of them and I do not respond and I immediately block them. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jesse Sage from Peep Show Media. Peep Show Media is a multimedia magazine bringing news and stories from the sex industry. Be sure to check out our website at peepshowmedia.com for essays, porn reviews, events, interviews, news stories, and more. Also, make sure to listen to our podcast, The Peep Show Podcast, anywhere you get podcasts. And for a bit more of a personal glance into my life, make sure to check out my January 15th interview on what women and other wonderful humans want. Hi, my name is Leanne, and I am the owner of Polyphilia, where you can get your daily fix of memes dedicated to polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, and personal growth in open relationships. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Polyphilia Blog, spelt P-O-L-Y, P-H-I-L-I-A-B-L-O-G. I hope to see you there. And please also check out my episode on what women and other wonderful humans want. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now, let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Siri Dahl returned to her adult film career in 2020 after a five-year hiatus. And Siri, I will tell you that most of the people I have talked to on this particular podcast, those who are content creators, are mostly from the kink scene or the fetish scene. Mm -hmm. I have talked to very few that are in what I dare call mainstream adult film. Is there a difference yeah. that you see? And explain to me what the biggest one is. A difference between folks who are in like the fetish and BDSM scene versus professional porn stars. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, so I can speculate, I think, uh, on the answer to that question. But as someone who's not deeply involved in the kink and BDSM scene myself, uh, it's like, it's hard for me to compare something to another thing that I don't know as much about, but, but I j definitely would say that like, you know, I, 
one thing that's similar-ish that has a lot of overlap with kink and BDSM is like, this is going back years and years ago, but I used to go to like swinger clubs. And sometimes those would end up being swingy BDSM type situation clubs. Um, and I mean, the, a bit, the huge difference I think for probably most people is that my understanding of the kink community is that while there are obviously people, obviously people who are like pro doms, um, and that is they're in sex work as a dom or a sub, or they're doing something BDSM aligned, it's also got a really large community of people who are into it as a lifestyle or what I guess you could maybe call a hobby. Um, and it's something that they choose to spend their time doing. And then it probably involves some form of their sex life in it as well. And generally speaking people who are in mainstream porn it's like while it is a lifestyle in many regards you know a lot of performers are not monogamous so they are in some sort of poly arrangement um or they live a non-monogamous lifestyle um and there are other like common like lifestyle attributes to people in mainstream porn but by and large like most people who are in it are in it because it's their job mm -hmm. And they primarily see it that way. And that's, I think, a pretty huge difference uh, is the idea of like, I'm doing this because it's my job and it's how I make a living. And I mean, I, I'm not one of these people. I would not speak for myself this way, but I do know that there are a number of people in mainstream porn who would not be doing mainstream porn um, if they could make the same income and have a comparable uh, lifestyle outside of that career. So hopefully that answer makes sense. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense and it helps me a lot. You bring up something within your answer though, that mm -hmm. was one of the things that I was somewhat, I'm not going to say anxious about, but your podcast is named after adult. Yeah. When I read your bio adult film career yet the first word that came out of your mouth was porn and i almost was worried about using that term because i didn't know if it was considered looking down on the industry or not uh no i i i would rather probably say porn industry because mm -hmm. for me it's an easier shorthand and i don't think there's anything wrong and in fact in a lot of ways i like I like using the word porn because let's call it what it is, first of all. And second of all, because um, it's, I, I always feel a little bit, when I say adult film industry and stuff, and I do say it a lot, and I'll explain why in a second, like it's mostly context reasons, but like there's always a part of me that when I say adult film industry or like I write that, that I'm like, no, like I feel like mm -hmm. I'm capitulating to society, societal pressures and, and stigma to apologize in some way for what I do for a living, which I don't want to do and I don't believe in. Um, but that being said, one of the biggest reasons that I would say adult film industry instead of like porn industry or adult films instead of porn uh, when referring to the content itself is uh, when when the audience who will be seeing the thing that I'm saying or listening to the thing I'm saying or reading the thing I'm writing, when the audience is like completely unknown, like if I'm talking to my own fans, I'll say porn, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, they're my fans communicating with me directly and <laughs> they know what I do. Um, 
but adult film is just it's definitely like a little bit of like a softer like like oh adult film mm -hmm. like for a generalized audience so if you look at like my bio on seriedoll.com um it's at it's at different points it said both porn and adult film but i was filing uh for trademark on my name and uh there's like this whole review process and they're like going through my website this is like I also file copyright on my scenes and stuff. So when I do those things, like because I'm interacting in an official manner as the business owner of my brand, I generally use adult entertainment or adult film industry because it seems a little uncouth in that situation to be like porn. <laughs> <laughs> so if there's different, I use the, the terms interchangeably, but it depends on the context. And generally speaking, I'm um, personally more comfortable with just saying porn. Um, do you think anybody is ever offended if you call them a porn star as opposed to an adult film star? Uh, yeah, I'm sure there are people out there who are offended by it. I mean, that's kind of weird to me personally. I think it's weird. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to like judge those people for thinking it's weird. I'm sure they're out there. I don't know who they are. I couldn't give you names of anyone, but, uh, I mean, you know, if I had a conversation with someone who's like, I don't like being called a porn star, I hate that. Like, I guess it's like, why? Why would you be uncomfortable with that? Is because in my mind, it's like either um, maybe you feel like you don't deserve the term, uh, which would, I mean, that's how I felt for a long time when I first started out in the industry. It's like you shoot one porn movie and it becomes available online and all of a sudden everyone's referring to you as a porn star and for a long time <laughs> i was like i'm not a porn i'm not an anything star i've had five scenes out like don't act like i'm this like you know i don't know i just feel like we don't call someone a movie star in hollywood just because they've been in like one tv show in like one episode of one tv tv show <laughs> like mm -hmm. <laughs> um so like if that's the reason why someone's uncomfortable with being called a porn star, like I kind of get it because I think we all have that in the back of our heads when we first start out in this industry. But if it's like that they think it's like disrespectful or something, then it's like, God, what? Like, mm -hmm. like it's to me, it's just another name specifically for the type of sex work that we do in the adult industry. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. What first attracted you to the industry? Um, I would say the biggest thing was that it seemed to me a place where um, where people are able to safely explore their own sexual interests. Um, I would actually maybe say that that's a secondary aspect because when I think about it, like really the primary thing, it's so it's so. Um, I feel like exhibitionism is such a kind of natural part of my sexual identity for me that I it literally like is so natural to my sexual identity that it kind of fades into the background and I forget that I even would call myself an exhibitionist like it's not like a, something I think about a lot but obviously not everyone's an exhibitionist and for someone who's absolutely not they might be like oh god filming myself having sex is like the worst thing I can possibly imagine so for the fact that like for me, it was like, oh, that sounds really exciting. Like it will just sexually excite me more is like pretty key, I think, to my decision to be mm -hmm. in the adult industry and to um, like also not even like 
tiptoe into it you know it's like I didn't experiment with any quote-unquote softer forms of sex work before I did porn I just went like directly into (laughs) shooting boy girl porn scenes in mainstream porn (laughs) did you have to have a certain mindset to go in because I I, I'm going to be honest and I'm going to give you a rough time for this Mm -hmm. I'm a boomer (laughs) You you talk about boomers a lot. You look too young to be a boomer. <laughs> I'm 57. Well, good job keeping it together. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But <laughs> as a boomer, I, I have seen how this industry has grown from videos that you would have to walk into a very dank store to get to the internet, to now, and we will talk about this later, something that seems mainstream, but nobody wants to allow it to be. So I was just wondering, when you first started, did you have to put yourself in a certain mindset? Or was it just plain fun? And you just said, go for it? Uh, it was the second one, honestly, like, no, I didn't have to put myself in a mindset for like, um, like I was already like in the mindset. And I think part of it is just, I mean, it's a combination of a lot of things, um, including even like the the way that I was raised. Uh, I, I wasn't raised in a, I mean, it's funny. Cause like now my parents are actually, my dad's like super conservative and my mom's like pretty moderate, but like they didn't, um, like I didn't grow up evangelical or like being proselytized to about like religious or even political beliefs. So the way I was raised was very much like you explore and do what you're interested in and we will support your interests. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I, I told my mom I wanted to stop going to church when I was like 14 and she was really mad about it. And then she quickly got over it. And then I never went to church with my family mm-hmm. again. Like, so there's like examples of things like that. It's like, it's not that there weren't like boundaries. Like my parents could actually be incredibly strict, but I grew up in a very like accepting, like a generally really accepting household, which I think was a big thing. Um, and later on, I found out that that acceptance pretty much uh, ran out when it came to me doing porn. <laughs> Mm. but but it did at least give me the footholds of like feeling like oh you know like I wasn't scared necessarily of doing what I wanted to do and when it turned out that I wanted to do porn I was like well you know this is just me like you have to accept it (laughs) um so I think it's just a combination of that like the way I was raised and then also the fact that uh when I was like late high school and then into college and throughout my college years, like early college years, because I was in college for a very long time. It took me forever to get my degree. Um, But I mean, essentially like my late teens and my early twenties were entirely about me figuring out my sexual identity. Like, and it was a project because I, I had no idea. All my friends in high school joked that I was a lumberjack butch lesbian that hadn't come out of the closet yet. And also alternatively joked that I was asexual Mm -hmm. um I didn't date in high school I was a very late bloomer uh in terms of like social dating etiquette and all that um so 
yeah, I just, I really, like I said, late bloomer. And by the time I got to college, my, it is it, really like more so than I think most other people that I've even met in my life. I feel like a central focus of my, uh, my adult, not adolescence, but my uh, young twenties was like figuring out what I was into sexually because I really didn't know much. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was, I knew I had a very strong sexual drive but I didn't know what it was for. And, uh, and that's what I wanted to explore. And so um, in college, I, you know, was involved in a lot of um, groups, campus groups, all different kinds of stuff. And really the community that I ended up settling in with were a bunch of extremely politically active uh, queer women. Hmm. And that was pretty formative for me. So I was definitely like pretty steeped in a very like feminist queer community in my early twenties. And that formed a lot of my opinions as well or helped form my opinions um, around things like sex work um, and just like all, all kinds of identity things. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many different ways I can go here and so I'm going to actually go back to your podcast because I mm -hmm. listened to a couple of episodes, including one where you were reading Yahoo Answers from a decade ago. Yeah, I'm, that was a wild episode. And one Rachel of the hated it, but <laughs> and one of the questions that was asked was, "How do you become a porn star?" And and part of it was, "How do you tell your parents?" So I'll ask you, Siri, how did you tell mm -hmm. your parents? Well, I had to tell them twice. So I have a lot of experience telling my parents that I'm doing porn because I had to tell them in 2012 when I first did porn. And then I, after I retired and left for five years and made amends with my family after having things be really rocky for those three years, uh, then ultimately I had to tell my mom again, like <laughs> a year and a half ago, hey mom, guess what I'm going to do? Um, I say my mom, I had told both of them, my parents are still married, but like my dad is the type where like, I just don't bring it up with him directly. I tell my mom and then she just like passes it down the line so she can control his response. <laughs> um, so the first time it was fucked up because I didn't get to tell them. I, I thought I had a master plan in my mind that I would, I was like, well, I'll get out to LA. And I, for, I lied to them about why I was going to LA great move um would not recommend to anyone who's in porn and and putting off the conversation that they know they need to have with family but ultimately that's what I did I moved out to LA and I was like I'm gonna wait until I have some shoots under my belt just so I know this is a permanent thing because even though I knew I wanted to do it I still had questions about like would I actually like I knew I wanted to do it but I had questions about like how uh, successful will I even be? Like, if this is the kind of thing where I go out there and it's like a bust and no one likes my stuff and I just can't make it a, a living off of it and I end up doing something else, then I don't want to have told my parents, you know? Um, which of course is stupid, like, cause that's not how it works. Um, and immediately, pretty much like immediately, it was like before my first scene was even released, my parents found out because someone who knows my friend who worked with a family member told a family member and I still don't know how but there was a grapevine involved and it made it through and then like immediately my fucking parents knew um and I had you know my mom's calling me like losing her mind because she was convinced that I was uh being drugged and also sex trafficked mm. 
And so that was a fun conversation trying to explain to my mom, like, no, I'm completely sober and I'm doing this of my own free will. And somehow her on the other end of the phone listening to that, she's like, oh, that's worse. <laughs> like, <No. laughs> like, you know, she thinks her innocent daughter is being drugged and trafficked. She could understand why her innocent daughter is doing porn. But now I have to inform her like, no, it's 100% me and, and my choice. And then she really did not understand and it was just really rough and we never really were able to communicate eye to eye on anything regarding my career and my life choices the whole time that I was in porn from 2012 to 20, like, you know, basically the end, through the end of 2014. Um, and it's, you know, it's, I had a relationship with my family during that time, but it was a very strained relationship. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely a part of why I ended up leaving because I just could not find a way to make it work. Um, and I'm sure it, you've listened to my podcast and maybe some of your listeners might end up going and listening to episodes of After Adult. But um, at this point, I'm, I mean, I'm not gonna go into like the details of all of why I retired because it's such a long story, but like, um, Ultimately, when I made the decision five years later, you know, and literally just the beginning of 2020, uh, last January, to come back into porn, I had already made this, the, excuse me, I'm tripping over my words, I'd already made the decision in fall, um, so it was literally on, on like, it was, I think, on Thanksgiving Day <laughs> uh, in November 2019 that I sat down with my mom and I was like, mom, let's have a talk. Um, I had a stable employment at the time doing a job that my parents very much approved of and loved to talk to me about. And I had to <laughs> tell them, I was like, I'm leaving that job. I've already given them my two weeks notice and I am going to be going back into the adult industry. See, that's a situation where I would say adult industry, not right. whenever my job comes up around family members. And normally I prefer that it doesn't come up at all. But if it does, I say adult industry or adult entertainment um sometimes i've even just referred to myself straight up as content creator because that's even more vague mm -hmm. and even more comfortable for people um my parents um category <laughs> to hear mm -hmm. so yeah and the conversation went a lot better the second time and i think a huge difference there was that i just well, that I owned it and I didn't try to run away from an uncomfortable conversation. And I just, before I even did anything, I told my mom, like, this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. um, totally different outcome because one, that actually gained me respect uh, <laughs> for just being upfront about it, which is understandable. Cause I, you know, as I'm, I'm an adult now uh, and I was not so much, even though I was 23 going on 24 when I made my first porn scenes, like. I, again, I've already said I was a late bloomer and I was not very much an adult in a lot of ways when I was that age. Um, but the, the whole dynamic is different now. Like I have an adult relationship with all my family members where, you know, they recognize me as fully independent. And so that made a massive, massive difference in having to have that conversation again. So any 18 year olds who are just thinking about getting into porn, listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> part of like getting a good reaction from family when you tell them you're about to do porn is like they 
how how do they see you? Do they see you as an adult who's capable of making this decision for yourself? Because if they don't, they're gonna hate your decision to do porn no matter what you do. Um, but I think in my case, it's just, I just was honest and enough time had passed. And I'm old enough that my mom is like, well, you know, shrug, shrug emoji. <laughs> I don't like it uh, and I don't understand it. And I don't know if I respect it either, but you know, I love you and you are going to do what you are going to do. And as long as you're safe and you're happy, <laughs> the thing, which is honestly the best that I could hope for. So, yeah, absolutely. The thing that struck me about your answer was something that you said at the very beginning, which seems like almost a microcosm of society's view of porn right now. Yeah. And that is, you said the grapevine started when this person told this person, told this person, told this person, told this person. Yeah. And what strikes me about that is in order to know that you were doing porn, that grapevine had to start with somebody who was watching it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. So how does it become unacceptable in that grapevine? And doesn't that really show what is going through today with all the stuff on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok, where you start out doing one thing and then suddenly one person tells another person, tells another person, tells another person, and suddenly everybody's sex trafficking and it has something to do with kids. Where <laughs> did that come from? Oh, yeah. You're talking about the the conflation of of legitimate instances of sex trafficking and mm -hmm. also sex trafficking of children where that's conflated with consensual sex work or mm -hmm. porn. Um, and yeah, I think, I mean, that's obviously like this, uh, it's almost like social justice warriorism online combined with some sort of like weird vigilante thing where it's like, save the children. And then it doesn't help that there's all the, you know, Pizzagate, like conspiracy theories floating around already. Um, like there have been conspiracy theories about like, like child molesters and things like that for a long, long time. It's just that now for the first, for the first time, I guess, on like a really large scale that has a, a lot of people believing it, it's been integrated into like involving the porn industry somehow. And I mean, I, this whole thing, this could go off the rails really quick because there's like a lot that I could say about this. But what I will, what I will say that I'll try to stick to is it is 100% not an accident that these things are being conflated. It's very much by design. One of the main companies, uh, or sorry, not companies, one of the main organizations that is honestly responsible for pushing the narrative that people in porn are victims of sex trafficking is like exclusively victims of sex trafficking is, <laughs> is a lot of the time the argument, like, like consent isn't possible when you're being paid to do porn films is the argument a lot of the time with these organizations. And the biggest one is NCOSI, which uh, stands for the National Council on Sexual Exploitation. It used to be called Morality and Media. They're the, they're the conservative Christian organization that believes that Sports Illustrated magazine is porn, um, that wants to get uh, 
Cosmo magazine off the shelves because they think it's porn. <laughs> and all of that is very documented and it's on their website, but they have been just going up to bat for like years and years now um, with their anti-porn agenda and their latest strategy is very successful because it essentially um, says that porn addiction is a real thing and it feeds the need for like sexual exploitation and they'll use a ter that term sexual exploitation and what they really mean is sex work. They're just assuming that anyone who does sex work, even if it is consensual, is being exploited and therefore trafficked. So it's it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> it basically removes, uh, it completely obscures all the people who do f various forms of sex work and are quite happy doing it. And, you know, like I'm one of those people, like I love what I do and I make a good living. And everything I do is like, look, I don't even believe that legality should be for me personally, it's not an issue of legality. Like, like I, I do on film porn work, which is legal technically because it's protected by free speech. Someone who does full service sex work, other, otherwise known as like escorting, what they do technically might not be considered legal, but I personally do, I do not think that there's any problem with that. I support full decriminalization of all sex work. Um, but that being said, it's like, even, even what I do, like, I can't even say this is legal as like a defense because these people think you are still being trafficked. Like that's what they would tell me to my face if I sat down and had a conversation with them. So it's fucking wild to me. <laughs> and what I can't get over is the fact that where is the brouhaha about the fact that violence and cutting off one's head or shooting, seeing a video of somebody shooting someone else for entertainment purposes, meaning in the movies, yeah. that's perfectly fine. But seeing two people enjoy each other, what? Right. <laughs> yeah, that's just and amazing. It's, you can get into all, I mean, that's like cultural stuff right there too. It's like our culture just historically values violence um, and hate in a lot of ways and devalues sexuality and anything sexually positive and especially devalues women's sexuality and women's bodies and women's bodily autonomy. So it's like, when you talk about the porn industry, you have an industry where women have bodily autonomy and we often get paid more than men. And you tell someone who's a very conservative, um, you know, I don't even, I mean, I'm not trying to politicize it in that way because it's not necessarily about conservatives, conservatism, but it's like someone who really believes in those cultural values of like, you know, oh, I would let my kid watch, uh, I don't know, insert name of violent movie here. It could even be like cartoon violence, right? Mm -hmm. Like, but I, you know, will, I, I would absolutely never allow my, my husband to watch porn <laughs> like that's cheating if my husband watches porn you know like mm -hmm. that kind of outlook it's just extremely like to me it's very misogynistic and sad <laughs> hi this is jane boone the author of the novel edge play it's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets 50 shades of gray only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit you can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. 
And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you. Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating, such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. Do you want to leave us a comment, thought, or have something to contribute to the show? You can now call or text us at the 3W hotline at 513-788-2527. That's 513-788-2527. Or drop us an email at john, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. That's john, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. We can't wait to hear from you. With Siri Dahl, who has absolutely transformed herself into an amazing physical specimen, and I'm not talking about something that you would see in porn. I'm talking about something you would see in the pages of Muscle and Fitness or the pages <laughs> of uh, Powerlifting Today. When I if that was a first, real magazine, I'd be yes. subscribed to it. <laughs> if I had to tell you the honest to goodness truth, the reason and the thing that got me wanting to talk to you was the fact that here you are a porn star that does powerlifting. And I just think that is amazing. Thank However, you. And that's not a however for me. That's a society going however. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I watched a YouTube of you explaining your your name the and the Siri mix-up and all that. Mm-hmm. And there was a comment on the bottom of it. And the comment said, I miss her former figure. She's still great looking, though. Oh, yeah, that's a daily occurrence. I, I'm, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know exactly what you're the the clingy the the fans there's a large 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 portion of my fan base that understandably to a degree became fans of me when I first started out in porn when I was 23 years old in 2012 and my body has changed since then I'm obviously I'm I'm nearly 10 years older people age so mm-hmm. it's like even if I have have had you know breast reduction surgery and gotten really into strength sports like even if I hadn't done those two things my body would still be very different like I would still look different time has an effect on human beings Mm -hmm. so on a couple levels I have some criticisms of fans who really cling to the like quote-unquote old me um but that that sense of that comment you just read out loud is a refrain that I get the uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the pleasure of reading and seeing uh, just about everywhere on a daily basis. And um, it's, 
like I don't know if I have the right word to describe how it makes me feel. It is annoying, but it's it's hard for me to find the right way to describe how it makes me feel because it doesn't annoy me. It doesn't affect me like deeply on a, any personal level. It, I guess what it, it makes me feel pity for the people who leave those comments. That's what it makes me feel. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like you, I think in a lot of cases there actually, there really are some fans who have developed like a, some sort of parasocial relationship with who they think I am from 2012 or 2013. Like they imagined me as their girlfriend back then and now I've gone and changed my body and they feel betrayed. Mm. Um, so I think that sometimes there is like a deeper psychological thing that is actually happening there because I read some of these comments and they are just too deep and too involved to make any sense considering this is a person I've never met. And they're mm -hmm. just commenting on some random photo online or like a Reddit post. So some of it gets really deep and like into the territory where I'm like, this is concerning for, for you, the comment writer. Um, but I think the majority of them are just they're just guys who just like you know it's that that attitude of like oh I see a woman's body and I must comment something about it and it's this sense of like entitlement that they mm -hmm. feel like I'm your fan you have a job because of me like which is true you know and I'm very honest with my fame I'm like I'm really glad that all my fans who subscribe to my fan site are supporting me they continue to support me and they're one of the reasons that I have a job like that's fantastic but there's also such a thing as boundaries, you know? <laughs> and so personally, one of my boundaries, like for example, with people who subscribe to my OnlyFans, like one of my rules of my OnlyFans is don't ask me about my breast reduction surgery. Just don't do it. Like it, I'm very honest with them. I'm like, if you ask me questions about it, I will block you. No questions asked. I did a very long AMA video that's posted on YouTube where I answer every question under the sun about my breast reduction surgery. And I made that video so I can get it all out of the way and stop mm -hmm. having to address it. Because to me, it's not a thing that I ever think about. You know, it's a decision I made for my own health and my own body uh, nearly five years ago. Mm -hmm. And I've never looked back. And it's kind of annoying and pestering to have people, fans especially, constantly wanting me to like justify it to them over and over again. You know, it feels very invasive on, on a level as well. Um, <laughs> I can see it wears you out. You can out. see me getting a little flustered too. Yes. It's like, it it is, it wears me out. And like I said, it's because you asked about it. Now I'm getting flustered just because I'm like, yeah, it does annoy me when I think about it a lot. But that's the thing is like, I don't generally think about it much at all. Um, especially since I, you know, really set those boundaries with my fans where like now I deal with those comments much less than I used to. Mm -hmm. So the boundary setting helped, but really it, it does still bother me in the sense that like, it is such a common thing for me to hear from a certain subgroup of my fan base that it, it it's kind of like that meme. It's like, <laughs> I, I'm like, are, are the men okay? <laughs> like, are the men in my fan, like, are they okay? <laughs> mm -hmm. Like you guys seem like you need some sort of assistance because you're a little too attached to a part of my body that is not attached to me anymore. And maybe mm -hmm. you should chill out on that. <laughs> the context that I bring this up in is the fact that when I saw the first picture of you, 
and saw the pictures that you sent me for use in social media, which are beautiful pictures. Mm -hmm. I saw the picture of a very healthy person. And to me, that is what's most important. And that people do not have a right to put their needs and their wants on somebody else when that person is taking care of their authentic self. Yeah, you just, you said it perfectly right there. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. You phrased that really well. I appreciate that. And I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> so when, and I'm not going to go into the breast reduction surgery because I'm going to be real frank. I don't care about it. <laughs> I appreciate that, but just, just to be don't. clear, if you yeah. did want to ask me about it, that is fine. I am perfectly, the door is open when I do interviews or anything mm -hmm. press related. I do talk about it and I'm open to the questions. I'd rather because ask that you that makes this. sense yeah. in that context. I'd, yeah. But Siri, I'd rather ask you this. When did you make the choice that you wanted to recreate your body into a powerful being? Ooh, I like that question. Thank you. Um, so it wasn't, so for me, it actually was never a choice. Uh, well, obviously the decision to do breast reduction was a choice for my body specifically. And it was both health related and aesthetic related. Like, um, I mean, my insurance covered it. So it was found medically necessary enough that my insurance covered it. So there's that. Um, but also like, you know, my clothes fit better and stuff because of it. So there were obvious like, you know, um, non-medical benefits to having it done. Um, and that's all I'll say about the breast reduction side of things. But um, as far as becoming a strong person, physically strong, um, you know, I, I knew what began for me as almost like a weight loss goal turned into a strength goal, ultimately, because around the time that I retired from porn, um, which, you know, or took I should now say, now that I'm back in it, I should always say take, <laughs> took a break from porn because <laughs> I'm unretired. But um, around the time that I went on hiatus, I had been on this like, you know, real spiral of, I think it was, in some ways it was tied to me being depressed and like very unhappy with a lot of other things, which is also part of why I took a break. But um I was kind of on this like never ending journey of like making my body look better and the target was always moving. And I found out very quickly that this is like a problematic uh, mindset for me to be in because I would have like a weight goal, you know, or a certain like wear a certain size goal, and I would get it. And then immediately it would change and be something different. So I, fortunately for me, I'm, you know, I, I did not get very far into that because that, that type of disordered thinking about body image and uh, nutrition and, and even exercising is honestly in a lot of situations, what leads to the road of like eating disorders and such. Mm -hmm. And so I fortunately did not ever get to that level, but it, it I kind of felt like I was getting on a path there. Like I was con I was just so, so hypercritical of myself and some of that came from being an adult um, in the adult industry, I should say. Um, but a lot of it didn't, like a lot of it was already in, it was already within my mind the whole time since I was going through puberty at a young age. And it just was like, 
you know, I was an adult living my own life. So I had the ability to control my thing, my life and what I did and how I exercised on that very fine tuned level. Uh, so a lot of it was about control as well. Ultimately, I'm getting into all of this because I want to say that like, what happened is I accidentally got into strength sports because I joined this like online coaching program that was supposed to be for weight loss, you know, as part of my ever moving target to lose more weight and be more, you know, conventionally uh, attractive, quote unquote, to have a more marketable body for porn. I joined this online weight loss like coaching group and it was, I joined it specifically because it was, I don't remember what it was called, but it was like weight loss for people who hate cardio or something like that. And <laughs> it was entirely um, doing like interval training with weights. And so it wasn't like powerlifting. It wasn't really lifting heavy weights. It was just lifting, you know, a lot of reps of weights using like dumbbells and stuff like that. And a lot of like body weight, like plyometric stuff. There's a lot of burpees were involved, which I would argue are cardio, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they're technically not a cardio machine. So I guess they passed the test for that training mm -hmm. program. That experience, cause it was like a 12 week program, which I loved, <laughs> led me to realize like, oh God, I actually don't dislike exercise at all. I thought I grew up thinking I didn't really like sports cause they all were boring to me. And I realized like, oh, I like I like weights. I like, like lifting heavy things and I like to feel like I'm strong. And that just, it immediately triggered this thing where I was like, I need to do more of this. Like I need to find ways to do this as much as possible. <laughs> um, and then as soon as I like officially left uh, the porn industry and like got a civilian job and stuff, you know, my priority then became finding ways to do the strength training that I wanted to do. And it's, it's been kind of a road since then. I didn't actually start getting serious, serious about powerlifting until about two years ago. Um, when I hired a, an actual specifically a powerlifting coach. Uh, and since then it's just been getting better and better. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty strong now. You said some really nice things about, about me in, in your intro. <laughs> I don't know if I'd agree with them because now I'm still hypercritical of myself, but it's in a different way and in a much more productive way. It's like, it's like, oh, you know, you know, you can squat more than that. Like, you know, look at, look at my big old quad muscles. Like I can definitely squat 250 pounds, but my, I doubt myself and it stops me from doing that physically. Like, you know, that's how I criticize myself now. It's not oh, your thighs look too big. Like, I do not care what size my thighs are. In fact, generally the bigger, the better, because when they're bigger, that means I have more muscle and I'm going to lift more weight. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's a hundred percent flipped the script on how I see myself, how I see my body. Um, I appreciate my body so much more because of what I can do with it. So it's been a massive, like, just such a good thing for me and such a huge thing for like mental health as well. Like I'm always encouraging women that I know to get into lifting. It's, it's my favorite thing. <laughs> I have some friends who are about my age that actually do <laughs> powerlifting and, and compete in <laughs> master's competitions. Do you have a goal as to what you would like to do within powerlifting? Do you want to become a competitor, competitive powerlifter? I've done some competitions and I, I enjoy them. I'm not highly competitive in the sense that like, 
I know, I know what it would take for me to be highly competitive in my weight class because powerlifting is by weight class. Mm -hmm. And for me to be highly competitive, I'd either need to train a lot, a lot harder than I do currently, which isn't impossible. It's just like, how much do I want to sacrifice mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of to train that hard is the question there. So I'd either have to train a shit ton harder, stay at my current weight, but get way, way, way stronger or I'd have to lose significant weight, go down like two weight classes or something and keep all the strength I have and just gain a little bit extra strength. Mm -hmm. So there's like a lot of, so that's if I wanted to be like actually really competitive and like win shit, which isn't really a goal for me. Like, I, I think maybe one day it might be, um, but I might honestly be one of those people who like, I might literally just wait until I can enter master's competitions and then just go sweep the masters. <laughs> they're a little less, they're a little less competitive. Um, I'm 32. So if I compete now, it's, it's going to be in the open division, which is like, I might be competing against a 19 year old, <laughs> <laughs> which is like, not going to turn out well for anyone other than the 19 year old. They're always going to mm -hmm. win. So like, <laughs> so, what? um, yeah, like. Yeah, it, it competing is fun, but I regardless, I'm gonna do powerlifting because I love it for all the other reasons. When we first started this show back in October, it was so much about how people connect with each other. And it evolved to how people connect with their authentic selves. And mm -hmm. one of the original things that we talked about a lot were people's perceptions of the wonderful human that became Siri doll and the character of Siri doll. Is there a lot of difference between the two? No, there's like really almost no difference between the two. Um, I think there was a little more embellishment in my self character self-characterization early on in my days in porn. And a lot of that was because I really played up the angle that like at the time I was married um, and you know, my, my ex and I would like, which is true, I was married and we did when we first met before uh, I got into porn, like we used to go to swingers clubs and stuff. Um, and I, but I played that up to an extent. <laughs> back then that I was like, this feels like it's bordering on like real exaggeration. Like, and part of that was because, uh, you know, embellishing that fantasy for fans. Like I knew it was really fun for my fans to be like, oh, she goes to swinger clubs. Like if I go to one, I might just randomly run into her, which is like, no, you wouldn't. Cause I, I as soon as I moved to LA, I pretty much stopped going to any swinger clubs. But, um, but yeah, so there was a, like a, definitely some more embellishment to my like quote unquote character back then. Um, but that's, you know, it was never that much like in terms of like my demeanor, the way that I act and the way that I behave, especially on camera during sex scenes, that's like entirely just me. Like, <laughs> um, I don't have any, any mannerisms or any like things that I put on, uh, that are a character. Like there's no manner of speech that I use on camera that I don't use off camera. Like it's all pretty much just genuinely how I am. Um, because I, I don't, I wouldn't even know how to do it any other way, to be honest. Like some, some people do, I know, but in mainstream uh, film, like, you know, Hollywood actors, that happens it, sometimes too. There are some adult stars that do that and I am not uh, capable of that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the 
the episode that I listened to today talked about questions that were asked 10 years ago, which is about when you yeah. started. Mm -hmm. if, we move, yep. if we move forward 10 years from now, Ooh. how do you picture Siri doll? Well, let's see, I'll be 42. So I'll be a super hot MILF. Um, I'll be competing in uh, masters powerlifting competitions, <laughs> as we just discussed. And I hope I'll be winning since I won't be competing against anyone like under 35. Um, as far as like my career, um, I mean, honestly, I expect to still be performing to some degree, at least by the time I'm, you know, 10 years from now in my forties. Uh, I don't intend to be like, oh, I'm over 40, gotta stop doing porn. No one wants to see a lady over 40. Like, fuck that, 100%. Everyone wants to see a lady over 40 doing porn. Uh, I think Lisa Ann and lots of other women have proven that beyond any doubt. Um, so yeah, I wanna still be performing. And one of my big goals that I talked about a lot when I first started in the porn industry way back when is that I always wanted to like do my own production, direct, produce, et cetera. So, and I still wanna do that, um, <clears throat> but I don't live in LA. So it's it would look a lot different now if I were to direct and produce on like a larger scale, you know, more than just like my own content for OnlyFans or whatever. Um, but I still do want to do that. So that's an ultimate goal. Um, I've got all kinds of like weird little side project ideas for things that I want to do. One of my, one of the things I would actually love to do more than anything else is just like start my own like powerlifting brand. Like, I don't know, apparel, like whatever. Um, I think that would be great. I also thought about getting my own like strength, strength and conditioning coach certification, just so I can sound fancy and also, uh, have the credentials to like reply in the comments when I post a video of me bench pressing on Instagram and some guy like tries to nag me for uh, bench pressing with an arch instead of a flat back, <laughs> which that's like a very technical reference for anyone who's listening, who is not familiar with strength uh, training, but like, I, I like, I do enjoy getting really snarky when I post videos of me powerlifting and people try to criticize my form and I'll be like, <laughs> no. <laughs> so if I had, if I had a official like coaching license, then I would be like, Hey, you don't know what you're talking about. I have the credentials to back it up. I can picture the, the Siri doll powerlifting line to be the, the sexiest powerlifting uh, wear that you could possibly have with a touch of wonderful class. So that sounds Thank wonderful. Thank you, yeah. I think this is probably exactly what it would be like. Siri, what would you like to have our audience know as far as being able to connect with you, how they can find you, all that good stuff that they'll always do at the end of a podcast? <laughs> um, I'm on Twitter at the real Siri PS and I'm shadow banned on Twitter, which means to find me, you have to type it in all the way, the real Siri PS and then hit enter. And it still won't take you to my page. It'll take you to the most recent tweet where someone mentioned me. Mm -hmm. Then you can click on my username inside that tweet. And I say all that because there are imposter accounts of me on Twitter, which if you just search the real Siri PS, you're not going to find me. You're just going to find the fake account. 
So wow. do that whole process I just described if you want to follow me on Twitter. I promise it's worth it. I'm really entertaining on Twitter. Um, on Instagram, a little bit easier. If you type in the real Siri.ps, I should come up. I think I'm still shadow banned, but it at least should like prompt you to find me a little easier there. And if in doubt or you can't remember those usernames, the best bet is to just go to siridal.com, S-I-R-I-D-A-H-L. And it has like the links to literally everything that I do on that website. And we'll have it in the show notes too. That'll make yes. it very easy. Perfect. <laughs> Siri, what an absolute pleasure it has been talking to you today. And I look forward to following your journey. And I'm looking forward to that Siri doll at 42, just to see exactly how your journey goes. That will be fun. Thank to you. Follow. I'm just curious to see if I'll still be a redhead. <laughs> I don't you're, know. It'll, it'll be awesome a surprise. fake redhead, as you like to say in your <laughs> bio. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Such a versatile, kind, and entertaining talent is one Siri doll. It was an absolute pleasure having her on the show. Next week, we celebrate 10 years of amazing writing with the Dom that has so much to say. Oh, Pearl. That show premieres on Tuesday. And that will do it for this edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dayton Kinky. I'm John, also known as Hi There, Catsuit, thanking you for being with us. I hope I have earned the privilege of your time. And I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. Leave us a message at 513-788-2527. And we invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. We're kinky done differently.